Interest in good music is more widespread today than ever before. Radio programs featuring classical numbers are among the most popular on the air, while phonograph records of great singers and symphony orchestras outsell even those of popular dance bands. We are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. Welcome to another episode of the Music Memory Podcast. This uh, episode, I've got a really great person in the studio with me. I've got my buddy, Nate Vandenberg, and we're going to talk about his music memories. And how's it going, Nate? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Joey? I'm doing wonderful, man. So uh, I kind of uh, extended a an invitation to people out there on Facebook, and you were one of the other ones. There was a couple different people who accepted the invitation to tell me a little bit about their music memories and, and things of that nature. And you definitely wanted to come in and, and talk about your uh, music memory. So one thing that I do want to ask you was, because um, I always ask uh, some people when I have them in the studio and stuff like that, I always ask them, what is the very first significant um, show that you or concert that you ever, that you remember? Uh, Aerosmith, oh, April nice. 18th, 1998. Wow. Uh, the Delta Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh man! It was life changing. I I just can't describe that uh-huh. moment in in time. It was so surreal to me that for a while I even thought these musicians that I'm watching are fakes. It's 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 not <laughs> the real Aerosmith. That can't be them right there in front of me. Oh yeah, That's it was awesome. amazing. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Then you remember the, the exact date. That's oh, pretty yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget it. That was a life-changing <laughs> night. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Was there anything significant about that night other than obviously being there with like... Did you have great seats um, or, or was it standing room only? We were on the side of the stage. We had row maybe 22 or 23, but right. to me, I was front and center. I mean, it, oh, it just felt so personal to that's me. That's still pretty close, man. Yeah. 20, row 20, 23, yeah. man, yeah. that's pretty cl- close to, that's, it's not nosebleed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was the uh, the first time I was propositioned by a woman. Oh, no. Uh, I, was, I was 16 years old and oh, no. uh, I had been saving up all my money and my, oh. my buddy and I, we bought all these shirts and hats and stuff uh-huh. and- uh, we went and sat down and there were two women sitting behind us and they were, they had uh, spent all their money on alcohol and uh, oh, man. Um, they were like, Hey, I'll give you something you won't forget oh, if you no. give me that shirt. And I, I thought, no, this shirt's worth more than anything you'll ever give me. <laughs> that's so. horrible, man. 16 year old. Oh man, that's horrible. <laughs> what a memory though, man. Yep. Yeah. I'll never forget it. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> all right. Let's go ahead and talk about, uh, about some of these songs here. Uh, what's the first one that you got there on that list? I've got, uh, Barry Manilow, Copacabana. All right. That's a, that's a pretty classic one. Huh? Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in a home that was always very musically oriented. We always uh-huh. had music playing and having fun. And uh, so this song, I recall we had this humongous stereo that my uh-huh. parents kept in our living room that uh, it had a, a, uh, a eight track player okay. and a turntable on it. Nice. And we had an eight track of Barry Manilow. And I remember dancing with my sisters in the living room of our home on Second Street in Ogden, Utah. <laughs> I remember distinctly having my little footy pajamas on <laughs> and my sisters picking me up at various points uh-huh. of the song as we were dancing. How old were you? Uh, two or three. Oh, wow. Yeah. This you was remember that, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very early memory of mine. So, yeah, this song, whenever I hear it, I picture myself in little footy pajamas. Oh, man. Carried around by 
my older sisters. That's pretty awesome, yeah. man, to, to remember something like that. I don't even think I can remember age five, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, this is, this is going to be funny out there, everybody. They're probably going to pull my music card here but and say, you can't listen. But anyway, we went... Uh, we took my daughter, Jordan, to um, one of her first concerts, and it was Selena Gomez. And Ezekiel was was just a baby. He was like, he couldn't be just over over one years old. And and he says that he still remembers that. I'm That's like, awesome. how do you remember that? He's all, because there was a lot of lights and there was a lot of music. And I was like, man, because I was whole, I, I was, we're a baby wearing family. So I was wearing him uh, on, on me and, and. He says he can remember it, and he was he was telling me a couple of different things that that were significant to that night, and I was like, "Well, yeah, that did happen." I don't know how you can remember that. Isn't that amazing? I I, I as as I was putting together this list, I thought of uh, in uh, the Harry Potter series how Dumbledore mm. says, "You know, and there's ma- magic in music beyond yeah. anything we teach here," and it's true. I mean, you can the, the music is a, is such mm-hmm. an amazing force, and that it can it can scare you. Yeah. It can make you happy. It can mm-hmm. make you experience any any range of, yeah. of emotions mm-hmm. and it can bring up memories. It can bring up happy memories. It can bring up, bring up uh, sad memories. Yeah. And, and and I'm going to, you know, in my playlist as I'm discussing this with you, mm-hmm. I really I'm cover the whole gamut of, of experiences yeah. that I, I tie to these particular songs and could go on for hours with you about various artists yeah. and everything. It's really amazing how music makes lives. Right. And that's, that's exactly the goal that I have with this podcast to kind of talk to people and, and experience uh, those memories and, and to actually sit down and, and, and uh, hang out with other people and listen to the stuff that they listen to. Cause I want to widen my horizons and, uh, my wife likes to call me uh, uh, the music Nazi. <laughs> Back in the day, I would always be like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna listen to that," and I would, uh, I would definitely never listen to some of the stuff that I sit down and talk with these people about. But I, I, I'm now listening to like some of these songs on here. Like, I probably would never listen to Barry Manilow. But listening to your memories, man, it, it brings a different light even to me sometimes. So it's pretty cool. So you were telling me a little bit about how how. <laughs> So some of these songs here, uh, you know, if you listen to the actual lyrics in there, they're actually sometimes quite sad. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. You know, just barely you hear uh, you hear Lola scream as as uh, as uh, you know her lover is shot, and, uh-huh. and people just use this song to dance to, and they have a you know it's a it's a party anthem really. Yeah, and uh, you know it, it's funny how the tone or the rhythm of the song can completely change the message that that is in it i was uh you know mentioning to you like a uh, bruce springsteen's song born in the usa mm-hmm. uh, you hear it played on the fourth of july all the time and I'm oh like, yeah yeah people really need to listen to the lyrics because it's not a patriotic <laughs> song it's it's about the mistreatment of vietnam veterans yeah and uh it, you know but they they're still gonna play it and people are gonna scream born mm-hmm. in the usa and everything i yeah. think it's hilarious that uh you know you need to sit down and, and look at what you're singing about <laughs> Yeah, it's it's super interesting. There's a lot of lot of music out there. I think me and my wife were talking about uh a couple of these uh songs like there was another gentleman that I recorded with and and she was telling me uh, she's like, "What songs did you listen to?" and I gave her a couple songs. She's like and I gave her a couple of memories that he had and she was like, "Well, that's that means this over here." And she's like, "Always took it this way." So we all kind of like comprehend things and take take these songs and kind of uh in a different way you know it's it's super interesting how we we can um we do that as human beings man a lot of these songs i i um i don't know the names a lot of the time like uh last episode i had 
we talked about a couple of different bands where I know the songs. Once you play the song, once you hear the lyrics, you know what song it is, but sometimes you don't know the name of the band. Right. Uh, I think that's what this one is a little bit for me. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I like to think that I inherited my love of rock and roll music from my father. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember going through his uh, record collection after he had passed away and finding, you know, Led Zeppelin, uh, yeah. uh, Steppenwolf, Pink Floyd, uh, The Who, you know, all, all these just good classic rock bands. And uh, so this next song is uh, Steppenwolf, The Wall. Uh, now, this song is really interesting to me in that it contains two memories. Uh, the one is, so John Kay, who was uh, part of Steppenwolf, he fled uh, East Germany as a child. Okay. And so this song is about him fleeing East Germany, you know, climbing the wall and, and escaping. Yeah. Um, one of my earliest memories as a child was of the Berlin Wall coming down. I was mm-hmm. uh, I was just about to turn eight years old. Okay. Um, I didn't realize the significance of it. I mm-hmm. knew that something was important was happening because people were talking about it. But uh, you know, so that that's something that stands out to me. But this song in particular, I can distinctly remember riding around in my dad's Ford Bronco. It was a 1983 Ford Bronco, wow. and we were listening to this song, and he was telling me the story that I just told you Uh about how people had to flee East Germany, how they were trying to find a better life and everything. And uh, so this song has always stood out to me and it's not a bigger hit by Steppenwolf. I mean, it's not the born Mm -hmm. to be wild or anything like that. It's, it came out later. It came out, I believe in 1991. And, and so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful song that I, I just attach memories Mm -hmm. with him. Yeah. That's awesome. That's classic. That one's really cool. Yeah, the the cool thing about this is the speech that uh, John F. Kennedy is giving right here on the song is actually when he uh, refers to himself as a jelly donut. <laughs> so <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were talking about how how we have uh, obscure uh, um, knowledge for for the weird. <laughs> I think that's that's pretty awesome. And then, uh, but but when you but I was actually complimenting you how you have uh, this this awesome knowledge of of where you were the exact dates and and all this kind of stuff and you were telling me how music definitely brings up the this kind of um place in your mind where you can remember dates you can remember where you were and what you're doing because it was so it's so profound and so powerful that um that it can spark those things in you and i i um, I was reading an article. The reason why I started this this podcast is because I was reading an article where people with Alzheimer's they they use music to kind of spark those kind of memories, and they remember like like details, great details, like kind of like what you were telling me. You you knew what what kind of uh, car you guys were driving in and what you guys were doing and where you were going and things of that nature. So, music is super powerful that way. Yeah, yeah. It just it brings out what you've been storing for years and, and mm-hmm. you yeah. you almost feel the sense that you're there again, that yeah. you, you almost have an out of body experience yeah. where you're there again. It's amazing. It's definitely, that's, that's like a perfect uh, way to put it. An out of body experience. You put yourself back in there again. And, um, in like, I, I can even think about some songs that I listened to as a kid and I can remember exactly what I was doing, what like the fresh air smelled like and, and if I was, if I was cold or if I was warm or if I was outside or inside, it, it's just such a, such a crazy thing. So, um, what's the next song that you got on this list here? So there's a little bit of backstory on this one. Um, right. so 
and had a wonderful childhood. Um, so December 28th of 1992, mm-hmm. uh, my father got up for work, uh, did a half hour on the exercise machine that we got for Christmas. He was 39 years old, uh, went to work, and he came home sick from work at about 11 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Uh, he had symptoms of a severe migraine headache. And uh, he was sick in bed for a while. Um, things got worse and worse. Uh, he ended up passing away December 29th, 1992. He was pronounced dead at 1.46 oh. in the morning. Okay. Uh, so my whole world just changed all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Yeah, I bet. And uh, the following November, my mother started dating again. And this guy shows up to our house. He pulls up in this nasty Chevy pickup truck. <laughs> And he's dressed like a cowboy, uh-huh. comes into my house and starts teaching my mom how to do country western dancing oh. on their date. <laughs> so immediately, you know, I'm on the I'm on the defensive. Yeah, right? that's gotta be rough. Right. Man, for... So after an extremely short courtship, uh, they eloped. And again, my world changed. Mm. I was moved out to live in his unfinished basement, freezing cold. You know, my, yeah. my social network of friends, that's gone. My, everything's flipped everything's gone yeah you then i was uh they were married two days after my 12th birthday okay oh man yeah so that's a rough time yeah, that's yeah. a rough age right losing your father everything's getting flipped upside down yeah yeah i and and you know my whole life i just didn't have much of an identity at the time hmm. there were two things that were constant the one was X-Men comic books. Yes. <laughs> uh, at the time, Fox Kids had the animated oh, X-Men series. And yep. so from that, mm-hmm. I, I got into the comics. I, I awesome. felt uh, I felt a connection. You know, here's yeah. this professor that he reaches out to the people that are different and yeah. they feel like they mm-hmm. don't. And mm-hmm. let's give them a place. And so I, I connected with those. And then the other thing was, shortly after I moved in to my stepfather's house, uh, it, we were watching, I was with two of my stepsisters and we were watching uh, the Grammy Awards mm-hmm. and the category for best rock song of 1994 came up and you know how they'll play a little 10 to 15 seconds snippet yeah. of the music video or whatever. And Aerosmith was nominated for their song Crying. Okay. And my two stepsisters look at Steven Tyler sitting on the windowsill of this church. Okay. That dude is so <laughs> ugly. Look at that big old mouth on him. He's, he looks like an insect and all this oh, stuff. Man. And immediately I went, well, I just found the perfect way to annoy them <laughs> because I like how this sounds Yeah, and I'm going to make their lives miserable. Mm-hmm. And so I went out shortly thereafter I bought my very first CD I bought with my own money was Aerosmith Get a Grip. Wow. I bought it at a Hastings music store on Riverdale Road in Ogden. That's awesome. It is now a health food store. Okay. Um, and at the time, CDs were really expensive. Uh-huh. And uh, I spent, uh, I got a $20 allowance at the time, and I spent 18 of my $20 to get that album. And wow. I wore it out. I listened oh, yeah. to that album <laughs> over and over and over. And so... Um, you know, like I said earlier, my first concert, seeing them, mm-hmm. they took over so much of that for me. It, it just, their music gave me an identity again. It gave me something to feel. It gave me something yeah. important. And so seeing them in concert was just kind of the pinnacle mm-hmm. of of eliminating all of that that horrendous environment that I had had to live in for a while. Yeah. And so, yeah, Aerosmith crying, uh, that song has a very special place in my heart. 
That's awesome. I think it's amazing. You have all this knowledge of dates and you have everything. <laughs> like that's awesome, man. That's gonna be an awesome memory, man. To to sit back and listen to that and and kind of bring back all that stuff coming back. I I I, I I'm still in awe how you have all this data in your head. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't ask me to do any geometry or anything because that didn't <laughs> stick. But uh, you know, the, this useless uh, information uh, it, it stays in there, man. It's found a home in my brain, that's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, we were talking a little off air about about how how amazing that is with with uh, certain songs and certain bands. You can remember that kind of stuff. And um, I was telling you a little bit about one of the bands that uh, I remember, and I remember like I was a little bit younger. I was probably like anywhere from 12 to 15. And I remember going to their merch table and looking at it. I'm like, well, I've got this much. Uh, how, what can I get? I, I want a t-shirt and I want, I want a bracelet. I want a necklace. I want, and, and, and you said that it was a little bit more affordable back then. Yeah, it <laughs> like, was. Yeah. T-shirt was like 10 bucks. Now it's a, now it's like 30 to 50 bucks. For yeah. <laughs> I, I just, uh, last week I went to Iron Maiden at the uh, Talking Stickers Order okay, here yeah. in Phoenix and t-shirts were going for $45. Oh my gosh. And it says, I, you know, you can eat for a week or you can get a t-shirt at a concert. It's <laughs> and, crazy. And sometimes the, those t-shirts are just like Walmart t-shirts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm paying 45 bucks for the graphics, Exactly. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you you said something uh, that that um, they used to tour to promote their album, and now they they do make music to promote their tour. You know? Yeah, yeah. Just the industry has changed so much during mm-hmm. our lifetime, and and even the first time I saw Aerosmith, I paid. I think my ticket was twenty seven bucks. Oh wow! And I mean, yeah. this was about twenty years ago. Uh-huh. Um, but still, it, you know, how much would it cost you to go see Aerosmith now? I mean, oh, I, yeah. I can't even imagine how much tickets are going for those guys. I know. I bet. I bet yeah. you'd spend a couple hundred bucks just for one or two tickets, man. Easy. Yeah. I can't. I can't imagine that anymore. Yeah. I. I. I went to tons of shows when I was younger, and I remember spending like ten, ten, five, ten bucks to get into a show. Um, I don't think I ever spent over twenty bucks to get into a show. Sure. And, and, and yeah, these were these were not like huge bands like Aerosmith and stuff like that. Um, they were a little bit more indie rock bands and things like that. But five bucks to get into a show—that's pretty stinking affordable. Yeah, it is. And then, I mean, that if you want people to buy your stuff and and buy your albums and. and don't don't jack up the price of the tickets, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now they're selling out arenas at two hundred dollars a pop. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. So this next song that you're going to talk about, I don't know if this is going to be one of those bands where like I know the song, I don't know the name, um, and I there's a there's a few on here that that I definitely do not know <laughs> on right. your list. But um, what do we, uh, tell me a little bit about this next one. Why, why this next song is significant to you. All right. So uh, when I was 16 years old, I got a job uh, working at a telemarketing company. Sweet. I was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a sweet first job. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the good thing was they were calling me. I wasn't calling them. So oh, it wasn't, yeah, yeah. It wasn't as bad as people make it out to be, but yeah. uh, I was driving to work in my, it was my first car. It was a 1988 Chevy Spectrum. <laughs> and this thing had a horrible radio in it where it, it was one of the, you had to tune in, you know? Okay. And uh, if you turned a corner too sharp, the dial would oh. move, you know? It was just a horrible car. Um, it awesome. actually, it broke down on the side of the freeway when I was driving to the uh, E-Center in West Valley City, Utah, going to get some tickets to see The Offspring. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. it was just a, it was a horrible car. I hated everything about <laughs> it. But uh, again, I'm having this out of body experience as I'm telling you this. Uh-huh. Um, so the local rock station was interviewing this band called Caroline Spine. And uh, they were going to be doing a show at some club that night. And uh, while they were uh, interviewing them, they played this song, Wallflower. And okay. uh, I I remember liking it a lot. And I got to work. And by the end of my shift, I had totally forgotten their name. I had forgotten everything. And uh, I was really disappointed about it. And shortly, within a month or two after that, uh, for school, I had to do a job shadow thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the teacher assigned us to do a job shadow of a, a job we wanted to do. And uh, okay. I was kind of lazy, so I just went with my mom to work. <laughs> uh, so she was working as a phlebotomist at a uh, uh, one of those places where you donate plasma for money. Okay. And there was another phlebotomist there. And throughout the day, um, as we were hanging out, you know, I got to know her a little bit. And then later on, uh, I heard her talking to somebody that was donating plasma. And she said, mm-hmm. you need to listen to Caroline Spine to this guy. And I okay. went, that's it. I, that Caroline Spine, I heard them on the radio. Okay. I really liked them. Yeah. And she said, oh, I'm dating their stage manager. Oh, wow. And I'm flying to Kansas City this weekend. Uh, give me 20 bucks. I'll see what I can get for you. Nice. And she came back. She had an autographed CD, posters, T-shirt, hat, drumsticks, guitar picks, all this really cool stuff. That's awesome. And she and got it all for free and pocketed yeah, the probably, money. Probably, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she worked her way in with the uh, with the stage manager. But uh, uh, so immediately I felt a personal connection to this band. That's pretty Something cool, beyond anything that, that, you know, I'd ever experienced before. Um, and so I started listening to their music like crazy. And uh, the following summer, they were performing at a couple of clubs in Park City, Utah. And uh, we we got invited, my mom and I, we drove up to Park City and uh, they surprised me. I got to have dinner with Caroline Spine. Oh, wow. And so That's I remember awesome. sitting down next to their guitarist, Mark, and I, I had... Garlic mashed potatoes and filet mignon. <laughs> Here come the facts. I, yeah, this, this, these are my memories. I remember the shirt I was wearing. You know, I, oh wow, I, oh yeah, it was a button-up plaid shirt. I mean, I remember this night. Yeah. It was a watermark night in my yeah. life. And uh, got the pictures taken with them. They did an acoustic show inside this restaurant. Oh, that's so cool. Um, the following December, again, they were playing another club up in Park City called Harrios. And went up there. I drove up there with Monique, um, who was the stage manager's okay. girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, she said, I'm going to sneak you in. Both of these places, by the way, you had to be 21 or over oh. to get in. So I was <laughs> 17 and 18 during this part right here. Okay. Uh, so the the we we sneak up backstage of this uh, of this concert venue, and there's a door. Um, it has the you know do not open fire uh-huh. alarm thing. And she looks through the glass there, and their drummer, Jason Gilardi, who is uh, the son of Annette Funicello, who is one oh, of the wow. original Mouseketeers. Yeah. Um, he was standing there, and she yells, uh, Jason, open the door, let us in. And he says, well, it says that there's an alarm on it. She says, no, we just have that sticker there so that the fire marshal won't, <laughs> won't shut the <laughs> building down. So, uh, yeah, I just fell in love with this band. And uh, so, yeah, this song, Wallflower, it was the first uh, Caroline Spine 
song that I'd heard. So the next one we have coming up here is something that people heard. <laughs> I definitely have heard of these guys. I don't think I remember listening to any of their stuff. I mean, there's one song that I can think of that I know for a fact that I've heard a oh, lot. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about these guys. All right. So, uh, like I said, I was working uh, as a teenager at a uh, telemarketing organization in the summertime, I would switch my hours to work the graveyard shift because I wanted to have a social life during the day. Okay. And so I would work from midnight to six, go home and sleep until two in the afternoon and then hang out with my friends until I had to go back to work at midnight. Uh, it, it worked out really well for me. And, uh, but I was the only teenager in this building. I mean, it's full of adults, right? Okay. So, uh, there was a Del Taco up the street from uh, where I worked and the managers walked around one night and said, hey, we're doing a, a run. If you want to, you know, a couple of you can go and, and pick up uh, some some Del Taco for us. They were open 24 hours, you know. Nice. So uh, this uh, this guy I was sitting next to him, his name was Daniel, and uh, he said, I'll go. And I said, I'll help him. And so we get in his car and he turns to me and he says, uh, I hope you don't mind German industrial music. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, uh, well, you know, I'll give anything a shot. And so it was the first time I had heard the band Rammstein. <laughs> uh, he ended up being a really good friend of mine, even though he was like 26 years old and I uh -huh. was, you know, 17 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we ended up going to see the Family Values Tour that fall. Okay. So that was Corn, uh, Limp yeah. Biscuit, Ice Cube, Rammstein, and Orgy. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, a, a, you know, the, the name of the band, you know, the yeah. uh, tour was a, you know, just a huge, yeah. uh, you know, just a lie, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was <laughs> right. pretty, it was a, an amazing evening, but, uh, you know, I was telling you, even if you don't care for Rammstein's music, just seeing them live mm -hmm. is amazing. Um, at, at our particular show, they came out on stage and the singer, uh, Till Lindemann was wearing, it, it looked like a floor length coat made out of like chain mail or something. Okay. He started singing and they lit it on fire. Oh my gosh. And he sung That's crazy. song on fire, right? Um, at one point, uh, he had this, it looked like a bow and arrow that he shot and it shot a, like a, like a bottle rocket across the arena and it sh was shooting sparks everywhere. I mean, just so much fire and yeah. everything. I mean, they, they light their music, the, 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 the spectacle that is a Rammstein mm -hmm. show, nobody can miss. It is amazing. So, uh, yeah, the very first, uh, Rammstein song I ever heard was the song Sucht, which in German means to hunger. For. I think I remember, I don't think I ever went to that, that show, that tour that they had going on, but I definitely remember California and I was in between Fresno and Bakersfield and you, everybody knows that corn yeah. is from Fresno. So it was huge. Anytime that they had a tour that they were going on, they had a new album everybody and their mother would be wearing a corn shirt and, and and a handful of people were like oh i know them well yeah everybody knows them right <laughs> but but uh i remember that tour because everybody talked about it because it was so huge um and it, it's definitely interesting how how things that happen like that that's super interesting <laughs> we were talking about a little bit uh off air and you were talking about one of those one of the uh performances you've seen the guy uh the keyboard is break a fluorescent light bulb over the lead singer's chest yeah yeah i mean <laughs> the guy was bleeding for the remainder of the show at, at one point he started head banging onto his microphone so his head was bleeding too oh my gosh Just, they were they were every parent's worst nightmare i bet uh, you know the music i listened to I'm, I'm proud to say it scared the hell out of my parents it was awesome <laughs> that's funny man <laughs> 
<laughs> so how about this next band? Is this one of those ones that falls under that under that uh, scaring your parents? <laughs> this is probably the furthest thing from Rammstein that you can okay. get, both geographically and uh, and as far as the style of music. Uh-huh. Um, so there is another a little bit of a backstory to this. So uh, I grew up uh, in the Latter Day Saint faith. Uh, it's uh, kind of expected if you're a young man that you're going to serve a mission. Okay. Which yeah. I did. I, I was called to serve in the uh, Brazil-Rio de Janeiro North Mission. Awesome. And uh, I was uh, I had been in the mission field for about nine months. I was serving in a city north of Rio de Janeiro called uh, Macaé. And uh, you, you're always in a companionship. You know, you've got your, your mission companion that you work mm-hmm. with. And uh, my companion, uh, he was a native Brazilian. And we had a, uh, a meeting with one of the members of the church in the area. A morning meeting. We went to his house, and uh, he he was talking primarily to my companion because I still didn't have a great grasp of the language okay. and everything. Yeah. Um, and his wife called him into the front room where she was watching TV in the middle of our meeting. Said it was urgent, and he went in there. He was gone maybe ten or fifteen seconds, and he screamed. And he came running back into oh, the wow. kitchen, and he pointed at me and started talking to me directly. Mm-hmm. And he was speaking really fast and he had kind of a funny accent. So I couldn't follow yeah, along with yeah. a lot of what he was saying. But there were two things that stood out to me. The first was Kamikaze and the oh. second was New York. Oh, and it wow. was at that moment that I learned about the World Trade Center attacks. Oh, my gosh. That's- um, Brazilians don't do anything subtly. Mm-hmm. They... Yeah. If they're listening to their music, they've got their radio on the outside of the house, blasting it into the street. I okay. mean, you know, if they're going to have a party, they don't do it in the backyard. You do it in the front yard and everything. They're just, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing quiet about the Brazilian people. And uh, so this song that I've picked out, it's by a, a, a Brazilian group called Eliesi Jack. And uh, this song was very popular uh, uh, during that time of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I recall going to the post office the week after at this time LDS missionaries were only allowed to send letters home they yeah. didn't they didn't have access to email yet mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure that the 911 events are what opened the door to allowing them to use email okay because i walked into the post office i handed them my letters to send home mm-hmm. they gave it back to me and said we are not sending mail back to the united states and wow. i said uh, for how long and they said we don't know uh, turned out for six weeks, wow. I was not able to send or receive mail. Uh, and, you know, I was miles away mm-hmm. from any other Americans. I had yeah. no idea what was going on. And, and how, how long into your mission were you? Nine months. Nine months, I, okay. Yeah, I, I left on uh, January 2nd. I got there on January 3rd. And, and uh, yeah, so this was the following September. Wow. Um, and it, you That's know, gotta be scary. Yeah, and and the thing again about the Brazilian people is they are so sensational. So mm-hmm. you know, their news is is like they're reading the National Enquirer to you. You know, they okay. they find the most sensational things to to tell you. So there were rumors I was hearing of it's the beginning of World War Three. There are yeah. you know, instead of a few thousand dead, it was half the country's dying. You know, and everything because the <laughs> yeah. anthrax scare was going on at the same yeah, time. Yeah, there was a lot going on. Yeah. So um, we heard a lot of the same things here too. (laughs) (laughs) And it it was a rough time. You know, I I had Mm -hmm. never felt more isolated in my life. Yeah. That's going to be scary. And uh, and so this song, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's called Carla and uh, it's one that I just associate whenever I hear it, I recall how Mm -hmm. I felt during the nine 11 terrorist attacks. That's absolutely crazy to be 
a, a world away and hearing what's going on back home, that's got to be scary. You know, I was telling you that that one sounded super familiar. I don't know why. I have no idea why, but I, I'm, I'm not a guy to listen to, like, foreign music, <laughs> but it sounds super familiar. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's, a, it's a broken heart song. He's yeah. singing to this girl that, uh, you know, I, I loved you more than anybody could love you and everything. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, it, but just for some reason, I associate that with uh, how I felt on, mm-hmm. on 9-11. Yeah, yeah. And it's got to be, yeah, what a perfect uh, song for that moment, right? I mean, yeah. broken heart and all that good stuff were, I mean, well, not good stuff, but um, <laughs> it's got to be a huge thing to, to to put yourself back there and to feel those same feelings and, and to bring back those like i, I would I, I don't know what i would do if i were a world away from my my family did did you have any family in, in new york or anything like that no no okay. I, I wasn't affected personally by it thank yeah. goodness but yeah. uh but still that'd be, that'd i mean tough, on that day every american became a new yorker you yeah know? it was mm-hmm. it was it, just it was a scary day yeah and I, I recall even you know i mentioned that we were in that uh member's uh house that we went to a restaurant for lunch and they had a tv in the corner and just over and over and over they were playing the video of the plane impacting the other tower and everything and uh i just had never felt more isolated and alone Mm -hmm. in my life yeah it's it's pretty scary i remember that day i was um i i'm a little bit younger than you were (laughs) (laughs) i i was it was my senior year in high school we had just moved from california to arizona and um it was i think just it was maybe a handful like maybe a month or two into school year and i remember Going in to school, and I had to take the, the the city bus into 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 the school. And that day, for some weird reason, I didn't know, but the bus was uh, a little behind. I'm sure it was behind because of all the stuff that was going sure. on. Yeah. So I got to school a little late, and I knew, man, I have this. I only have a small amount of time to get to class because my first period, uh, my teacher was a little bit of a stickler. If I got if I got a uh, uh, I was there late. He would make me go to the office and get a tardy slip and all this stuff. But sometimes if the buses were a little bit late, they would kind of announce, hey, this bus was late. Let the kids in. Um, that day, I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear a bell. I didn't hear it. Nothing went off. People were all, nobody was in the halls. I remembered like something was just a little off and I was on the bus. So I couldn't, I didn't watch the news that morning. Right. I was on the bus waiting and I was waiting and waiting. I didn't have, this was before I even had a cell phone in my pocket. And uh, I remember going into class and the teacher was glued to his TV. Everybody was sitting down. I'm like, this is weird because these kids are pretty rowdy. Usually it was like a science class and, you know, and everybody, you know, you're in groups and stuff like that. So you're usually up and doing tasks and things like that and things like that. But uh, I remember walking in and the teacher was glued to the TV and I was like, what the heck's going on? And I was asking people. Nobody was speaking to me. Mm. Nobody would tell me what was going on. So I had to sit there and watch the, the news and to gather all this stuff. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And, and I felt isolated myself because nobody was saying anything. The teacher was quiet. He didn't even notice me walk in. And all I can see was this building on fire in New York. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck? This is crazy. Is this real? Are we watching a movie kind of a thing? It's 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 an interesting day, um, uh, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I was very fortunate in that. Um, you know, and we'll kind of talk about this a little bit here in a minute. But um, 
in my military service, I was fortunate enough to serve on the flagship that was uh, in Fleet Week in New York in 2007. And so I had the opportunity to visit Ground Zero. And at oh, the wow. time, they were still building yeah. the memorial. But across the street from it, they had a museum that you could go into. And it had, okay. um, you know, artifacts that they pulled out of the rubble and things yeah. like that. And it was at that, I, I, I wept there. I I, yeah. I had the opportunity to really yeah, as anybody express yeah. my emotion. I, I didn't get that while I was in Brazil. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the Brazilians, A, they weren't that fo- focused on it. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a big deal. Yeah. But, um, and, and B, I had work to do. It wasn't like mm-hmm. I could stop and take a day off and really reflect on what had happened. And yeah. so I, I got that opportunity and I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. Super interesting. I've heard of these guys before. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, you uh, you serve your mission, you get home, and you stop and you go, I've got my whole life ahead of me, mm-hmm. and I don't know what I'm going to do. And you start uh, working or going to school, and then you start dating, something <laughs> you've been forbidden to do for the last two years of your life. And all of a sudden, you know, every girl is, it, yeah. it, it, again, the LDS faith is really funny culturally. <laughs> um, you know, the girls, as soon as they hear, hear the words returned missionary, <laughs> it, you know, their eyes light up yeah. and they get a little twinkle in their eyes. Right. <laughs> so uh, I, I had gone to see Lincoln Park in concert. Okay. Um, I had the opportunity to see either them or Disturbed. They were playing mm-hmm. uh, two different nights, one night back to back. and. Uh, I decided to see Lincoln Park for some reason, even though I had seen them before I left on my mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't go to see Disturbed. And uh, so I went to Lincoln Park, and the next night I went to Institute. Mm-hmm. And it was the last... And, and Institute, for those who don't know, it's uh, it's it's a it's Institute of Religion. So it's it's kind of like college courses that teach uh, LDS faith principles. Um, this particular one was one of the books of the scriptures. Um, and I'm sitting there, and this really cute girl came in. She was wearing uh, hospital scrubs, okay. and uh, I I kind of looked at her, and then just looked back at the teacher and was paying mm-hmm. attention to him. And uh, afterwards, she came up to me and she said, "You're Nate Vandenberg, right?" And I said, "Yeah." And she said, uh, "You played hockey, didn't you?" And I said, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> and she said, and you, you were in a band too, right? And I said, yeah. <laughs> nice. And uh, so uh, she introduced herself to me and she had walked in with this other guy that looked nothing like her. So I assumed uh-huh. he was her boyfriend. And we were talking for a while and I felt really bad for him because she was really flirting with me. <laughs> and uh, she she asked me to show her on the map where I had been a missionary. You uh-huh. know? And so I show her and then she says, oh, I'm so excited for my brother who's going to be able to serve a mission. And she grabbed him and kind of gave him a little hug. And okay. I went, oh, hey. What are you doing Friday night? She was letting so, you know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> she uh, she introduced herself to me. Her name is Jamie. And uh-huh. uh, exactly a year later, so this was April 23rd of 2003, April, 2000, April 23rd, 2004, we were married. Wow, and, that's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, and as you're falling in love... That is just the best feeling. I, yeah. I can't. I can't compare it. And it, it, it's sad that it's so fleeting. And and you know our relationship has gone through a lot since then. And I'll mm-hmm. talk about that. But it, it's just amazing when you're falling in love with someone. Yeah. And this song, I tied to that. It was a very popular song that summer. It's uh, mm-hmm. the Ataris doing a cover of the Don Henley song "Boys of Summer." 
And I remember driving around. I had a 1989 Buick Riviera. It was actually a really cool car. And uh, I remember I would rest my hand on her leg while we were driving around. And then with this song, whenever it came on, I would strum her leg like a guitar. And uh, and to this day, whenever that song is playing and we're in the car together, I will strum her leg That's like funny. a guitar. So, uh, yeah, this is the song that I fell in love to my wife to. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great memory. I remember this exact version of the song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a big one. I was telling you that I, I had a uh, a various artist uh, CD that had this this cover on there. I think it was like a like a whole cover out uh, like various artists oh, right. song, like yeah. album or something like that, where tons of like skate punk bands like uh, played covers of of like awesome songs. It was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. Now there's a lot of uh, people that have really done well doing covers. You know, a, a recent one that I can think of is uh, Disturbed's cover of "The Sound of Silence," which is oh, yeah. just I amazing. I mean, David Draymond's logo, uh, lo- excuse me, lyrics on that or, or vocals, I should say, are uh, just amazing. But mm-hmm. um, you know, another group that I think of that, that has done well uh, on nothing but covers is Me First and the Gimme Gimme. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love those guys, and they do nothing but covers of yeah. the, you know they. My favorite album of theirs is Love Their Country. It's yep, all old yep. country music. It's awesome. That's that's interesting. Uh, yeah, man, I was a uh, I was a uh, skate punk back in the day, and I, I listened to a lot of that stuff, and then I got into like some heavy punk rock stuff, like some crust punk, street punk stuff. Yeah. Like after a while. But yeah, I definitely remember those days, like Warp Tour days and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Yep. Like I, I think I hit Warp Tour like uh, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine. Like it was that was that was when Warp Tour was huge. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I remember going to uh, Warp Tour and just getting fried. Just, oh yeah. Everybody leaves mm-hmm. that place sunburned and. Uh, um, that particular year, I remember that uh, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones were playing at that yeah. one, and uh, I stood in line for a half hour to get their autographs and stuff. Some and ska and, punk, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, man I loved <laughs> just the whole thing. The really cool one uh, thing about that show was uh, Green Day was playing, okay. and uh, um, at one point, it's it's kind of uh, custom uh, for Billy Joe to bring somebody up on stage and have them play his guitar, and he pulled my friend out of the audience to play oh, wow. guitar for that one. So that was, uh, yeah, yeah, that again. Um, I can feel that sunburn. I yeah. feel, you know, it, it's amazing how it just brings me back. Yeah, man. It's, <laughs> I remember going to a show and, um, looking at the list of the, of the bands and I'm like, ah, I, I can't remember exactly the bands that I, that I wanted to, but it, it happened a couple of different times that, that day at the warp tour. And I was like, I want to go see this band. I think it was MXPX. Okay. Like I was like, I want to go see MXPX over here, but then I want to go see, I think it was, it might've been Rancid. Okay. Like MXPX was playing over here. Rancid was playing over here. So you know what I did? I went and listened to one, one band set, like the beginning. I was like, okay, great. I listened to my favorite song. And then I ran to the other, the other stage on the other side of the, of the, of the tour, man. It was like, I did that a couple different times. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. That, that was <laughs> one of the best festival tours. I, yeah. yeah you, you, I mean, people that nobody's one year, they, they were the headlining acts the following yeah. year and stuff. Yeah. And, and, um, it was a variety of music. Um, I know we kind of mentioned how it, it was focused on punk, but a lot of hip hop acts came out of, uh, yeah. After a while. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it, it's a very successful, it was a very successful, uh, uh, tour for quite a while. Yeah. Super cool. All right. Tell me about this, man. You're actually wearing the shirt. I am right now. Yes. So, uh, 
the summer after my wife and I were married, uh, I was working as a utility locator. So the guys that uh, spray the ground whenever they're uh, uh-huh. going to be uh, doing some excavation. Uh, my boss, who was also my brother-in-law, was a humongous Van Halen fan. Okay. And so much to the point that uh, his firstborn son, they named him Halen. <laughs> um their phone number, I can't remember if the last four digits were 1984 uh-huh. or 5150. I, I know that he had called the phone company requesting both of them, and I can't remember which one it was. But he, he I mean, he's just obsessed with Van Halen. That's funny. And uh, so he was supposed to go to Denver, fly to Denver from, from Salt Lake City with a friend of his. He had uh, purchased, you know, ninth row seats through some special all access thing mm-hmm. uh, to see Van Halen on the reunion tour that they did. Uh, in 2004 uh, when uh, Sammy Hagar was uh, was singing with them again and I am I'm team Hagar when it comes to the Van okay. Halen thing I know yeah. for some people they're really going to dislike me for that but uh, <laughs> I'm not as big of a fan of the David Lee Roth era Van Halen as I am the the Sammy Hagar Van Halen okay. so I was really excited to see yeah. this this lineup um, so they mentioned, you know, as we're flying over, I, I said, who's opening? And and uh, my brother-in-law said, uh, some group called Shinedown. And uh, I went, oh, I, I think I've heard they've got a song called 45, I think. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we get there, you know, most opening acts, you don't care really that much. Yeah. They came out on stage and uh, Brent Smith, their lead singer, he is a five foot nine white man with, you know, with the vocals of a 300 pound black woman. He is just, he has got the most amazing vocals I've ever heard in my life. And uh, his original lineup, the uh, original guitarist was married to the daughter of Ronnie Van Zant from Leonard Skinner. Oh, wow. And they actually brought out his granddaughter mm. uh, on stage at one point during the show. And, you know, you're sitting there on the floor or on your chair and just kind of waiting for them to finish their yeah. set. And he gets up on stage and he says, what are you doing sitting down? Get up. This is a rock and roll show. Right. <laughs> and he made everybody pull out their phones at one point. And, you know, because mm-hmm. the, the holding up the lighters thing, that's kind of gone away. You yeah. know, yeah. now everybody's turning their flashlight on on their phone and everything. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the first times I'd ever seen that where he had people yeah. hold up their phones and you look over the audience and it looks like stars. So I was blown away by this band and we're similar in age Mm -hmm. where as they have grown as artists, I feel like I have grown as a person as well. So their musical style has changed, but it's, it's changed with my personality too. So you're going to get a lot of shine down out of me just because I love them so much. That's cool. I saw them last July for the 11th time uh, here in Phoenix. And uh, I just, I I feel a connection to their music, the messages of their songs and Mm -hmm. everything like that. So um, I chose the song Burning Bright, uh, even though they have bigger hits from their first album, but Burning Bright is just my personal favorite off of that album. That's awesome. That's all. I don't think I've uh, ever heard of them before. Uh, but I could be wrong. I've I've been surprised a handful <laughs> of times already that I, I've I've heard uh, some songs that uh, that I didn't know I knew, but I know them. So <laughs> we're going on pretty long here. <laughs> but you know, we'll just we, what we'll do here is uh we'll uh we'll we'll see how it goes. If this is this goes really well, we'll keep it going, or we'll uh, we'll cut it in half and do a two parter. Awesome. What do awesome. you think? I'm having the time of my life, man. <laughs> right. I, I could do this for hours. So uh, you just tell me when to <laughs> when to zip it, and then I'll stop talking. So. All right, man. Uh, no, we're good. We we can. I, 
I, until my wife comes out of that room saying, hey, you guys got to cut it. I think we're good to go. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about this. I, I've heard of these guys. I can't uh, I can't think if I've ever actually sat down and ever listened to any of their stuff. Okay. I know the name. I know that, that um, I think I got a good idea of what kind of style of music they are. But tell me a little bit about Breaking Benjamin. All right. So uh, Breaking Benjamin, um, this is a song that I kind of associate with a, a time period of my life, not just one specific memory. Um, so as I as I mentioned, um, you know, being a, a member of the Latter-day Saint faith, um, when as a member, you're encouraged to receive what's called a patriarchal blessing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I received mine. You usually get it when you're, you know, in your teens. Uh, I got mine when I was 14. And uh, what it is essentially is there's a, a member of the church who is has received a calling where they will give you a blessing. And in this blessing, they give you advice for your life. And they mm-hmm. kind of lay out a, a map for you to follow and, and everything. And um, mine has a, a segment in it that I actually wanted to share Um so in it, it says, uh, now, Brother Nathan, if you continue faithful, you will receive an inheritance in this land of promise, and it will be your opportunity to stand in defense of the principles of truth upon which this great country was founded. You will be called to defend it against the power of evil that is perpetuated in this earth. So stand ready to receive calls to serve your country or in your community and to stand strong in defense of these sacred principles. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. And I can definitely uh, uh, say that you have done that. I have, (laughs) yeah. Knowing you personally, I know that you've done that. (laughs) So um, I took it to heart. And uh, so in 2006, I raised my hand uh, and took the oath of enlistment and uh, enlisted in the United States Navy. That's awesome. Um, And uh, so around this time, this song, Diary of Jane, was a big hit. Mm -hmm. And I remember distinctly driving down to Salt Lake City the night before I was supposed to go to boot camp. Um, The recruiter was driving me there, and he had the album Phobia by Breaking Benjamin uh, playing in the car. And I, there are two times in my life when I have actually shaken with fear. One of them was my first couple of days at boot camp. Every time I got <laughs> yelled at, and uh, the other one I'll talk about in a while here. But uh, um, so I associate this song with that, and and it mm-hmm. was I didn't know it at the time, but it was the last song I was going to hear before a couple of months of not being able to listen to anything. And so that song just kind of played in my head while I was there. And so when I, when I left boot camp and went to my, uh, my a school, my Navy a school in Meridian, Mississippi, I went and uh, bought this album and listened to it over and over. So I, this, I associate this song, not just with one memory in specific, but uh, a whole gamut of them over a period of months. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, breaking Benjamin, uh, they're a post gun, post-grunge group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like them a lot. I've seen them several times, and uh, Diary of Jane is probably their biggest hit. So this next one, he, it looks like here from, uh, you got a couple more songs from this band. You can definitely tell that this is one of your favorite bands. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I've got another Shinedown song here. Um, this was, uh, this one's important to me because it was during a time in my life where I um, really screwed up. Um, I joined the military uh, got uh, stationed on board the USS Wasp, which was uh, in Norfolk, Virginia at the time. And uh, because of its busy deployment schedule, I was not able to move my wife to Virginia with me. Okay. Um, I was stationed on board there for a year and a half. That's and be uh, rough. it was hard. It was very difficult. And instead of um, 
working on our relationship, I kind of neglected it. Mm. And uh, I made a lot of choices that uh, I really, really regret now. I mean, I, I really embraced the the life of a sailor and yeah. uh, made some serious, serious uh, errors in judgment, um, made a bunch of mistakes, uh, things that, uh, you know, I just some of them I can't completely fix, but, mm-hmm. you know, in this lifetime. Um and uh, it got really bad, and and uh, at one point, uh, my wife and I had been on the phone, and we were we were seriously contemplating what we were going to do with our relationship. I mean, were things over? And uh, so I went for a drive while I was, uh, you know, just to kind of clear my head. And um, Shine Down's cover of Simple Man came on the radio. Uh, Simple Man was originally done by Leonard Skinner. Okay. And, uh, uh, but, uh, I, I remember this song coming on and, uh, it, I, I didn't have anything else to do. So I drove to a food lion and I got a box of Cheerios and I drove <laughs> to the, uh, the, uh, botanical gardens in Norfolk, Virginia. And I, uh, fed the ducks this, this box of, of Cheerios yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and just contemplated my life at this point. So this song, I mean, it, it, it moves me to tears. I have told my wife that if it's not played at my funeral, then, yeah. um, I will come back and haunt her. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, this, this song is just, it has a very special place in my heart. Yeah. That's, he's, he's amazing, man. That's gotta be a pretty powerful song. Yeah. Awesome. So we heard this band again. We we, we heard this one before. So yes. you got another Caroline Spine song. I do song. have another Caroline Spine song. So uh, I, I spent a year and a half in Norfolk, Virginia, and uh, then I was uh, transferred to the Navy Reserve. I went back home to northern Utah, and uh, my wife and I were reconciling a lot of things. We uh, we moved into this horrible basement apartment that uh, I, I think it really didn't improve our mood because we weren't getting a lot of sunlight, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so Caroline Spine, they were playing a show in Ogden, Utah uh, on 25th Street at a place called Brewski's. And uh, she and I had seen them a couple of times before that. And I was like, hey, Caroline Spine's in town. Let's go see them. And uh, he, Jimmy Newquist, their lead singer, he had completely reorganized the band. He was the only original uh, member of the band. And, uh, but they played this song called The Light Inside. And at the time, I was still reconciling things with my wife, with myself, with mm. God. I mean, just, uh, I, I was really doing a lot of repair to the, mm-hmm. the you know, the, the, the things I had broken. Yeah. And uh, so this song, The Light Inside, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it, in the in the song he says, can the light inside you help you find a way to carry on despite the pain of yesterday? Yeah. Wow. And uh, and so I, I I really, this song was, was very important to me in my path back to normalcy, you know, and, and oh, okay. feeling good about myself and about my marriage and about my relationship mm-hmm. and stuff. So uh, this is a, another Caroline Spine that uh, it just sticks with me. You can definitely hear a little bit of a difference in the in the style of the music there a little bit. Yeah, I, I felt I felt really sad when the original uh, band members had, had left. I I, uh, I felt a much more personal connection to them than I did the new band members. I mean, it was still mm-hmm. good. Jimmy Newquist is an amazing vocalist and an amazing songwriter. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, they they changed a little bit uh, in that in that transition there with the the new band members. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always, it, I always get a little scared when bands do that because you're like, I don't know if I like them as much as I did back when I first heard them. 
Uh, sometimes they can uh, bands can restructure and, and and be better than they used to be. Sure, yeah. And uh, but you just gotta. You, I mean, I guess it's like a, it's a gamble, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, this next one, um, another one from your from your favorite <laughs> band here. <laughs> Tell me about this one. So uh, I was home from Norfolk, Virginia, for about eight months. My wife and I were making decent progress. We weren't a hundred percent yet. And uh, I got a phone call from the Navy Reserve. They said, congratulations, you're uh, being sent to Germany. Oh, fun. And, Thanks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so they said, uh, you're going to the Launchtool Regional Medical Center, which is the hospital where everybody from downrange is taken to if they're injured. Okay. Um, we weren't in a place where I felt I was ready to leave again. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had no choice. I had to go. Mm-hmm. I think it was the thing that galvanized me as a man that I recognize that I'm fallible, but yet mm-hmm. I can I can overcome my weaknesses and I can ignore my weaknesses. Wow, yeah. When you're waking up every morning and you're helping to unload ambulances that have people that have literally stared hell in the face, yeah, it changes you. Right. Um, I recall one one instance uh, in which there was a Navy SEAL that they brought in that he had stepped on a landmine downrange and uh, mm. had blown off the lower lower half of his body. Wow. And uh, that night, I I was uh, on Skype with my wife, and uh, she was upset because she had taken the car in to get the brakes replaced or something, uh-huh. and she was like, "It was supposed to be two hundred dollars, and it was three hundred dollars." And I was like, so? <laughs> I saw half of a man today. Yeah. I, you know, it, it really put my life into perspective that my problems are mm-hmm. so small when you look yeah. at the grand scheme of things. It was a, a, it was a two, I'm sorry, it was a one-year service project. I looked forward to mm-hmm. the alarm clock going off in the morning. I got to make a difference in people's lives every yeah. single day, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was the best thing that happened. And, uh, and so this song came out during that time. And I remember when it came out, I downloaded it and I was listening to it over and over and over as I was ironing my uniforms one night, mm-hmm. uh, it shined down diamond eyes. Um, in it, uh, he says, uh, uh, I'm on the front line. Don't worry. I'll be fine. The story is just beginning. I say goodbye to my weakness. So long to the regret. And now I see the world through diamond eyes. And uh, it, it, it just wow. kind of, it made me yeah. realize what I had done was wrong, mm-hmm. but that I still had a future ahead of me. I couldn't live in the past anymore. Yeah. And I had to drop all of that, but I still needed to be a better person from here on out. So this song I associate with that. That's super interesting. Is that, is that where you got your, uh, your passion for, for the, for the work you do now? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I work now for a very well-respected veteran service organization Mm -hmm. and I'm still doing it. And, and you know, I, I don't use the term dream job loosely. Uh, I'm working in my dream job because I'm doing exactly what I did there. Yeah. 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 And I I think it's awesome. Like every time you come and report about what you've done uh, with this organization, it's pretty well known organization. I don't know if you want to let anybody know, but it's it's amazing work. I I definitely, uh, you know, tip my hat to you. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's the Wounded Warrior Project, and and uh, we are very very proud of the work we mm-hmm. do. I mean, I every single day I get to work with superheroes, and it is the coolest thing. Ever. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So you were telling me a little bit of backstory behind this song. Yes, yeah, so uh, this song was actually released as a single. It was on the uh, the soundtrack for the movie The Expendables, 
uh, kind of a big uh, super duper action flick. It had all the classic yeah. Uh, yeah. action heroes in it. The uh, 80s, 90s yeah, action exactly. guys. Yeah. So it's it's Sylvester Stallone, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, it's uh, I, Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren, yeah, it's all these old uh, action heroes. <laughs> um, and uh, Sylvester Stallone actually reached out personally to uh, Brent Smith of Shinedown and asked him to write a song for the soundtrack of that movie and that's what he came up with. If, you, if you're paying attention to one point in the song, he said every one of us is expendable uh so he he threw a little slide into there that's uh, awesome yeah for the movie that's awesome that's pretty cool so you got weezer on here yes tell me a little bit about this song and why okay. this one has a music memory attached to it so i uh i got home from germany life was was uh stabilizing for me again um i actually i left the navy in 2011 and i transferred to the utah air national guard Okay. They had a much more family-friendly deployment schedule. In mm-hmm. fact, I never deployed with them. Um, I had a normal life. And it was at that time that my wife said to me, you know what? We've been married long enough. It's time for us to have kids. Mm. And nothing terrifies me more than having <laughs> children. Because, uh, you know, I, I think a part of it is that I went through a rough childhood where where somebody's decisions impacted me. Mm-hmm. You know, through no fault of my own, I, I, my life changed. Yeah. There's that's part of it. The other part is, you know, money. I mean, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you pay for kids? How do you, you know? <laughs> so I was terrified to have kids. I don't know. I, I'm still trying to figure that one out myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. I mean, I, I, I love my kids to death, but I, but I'm also scared to death to, to still to this day yeah. to be a father. And it, I, and have, I gotta say, my wife, my wife works with with uh, one of your kiddos in the nursery and. Great kids, man. I love, I I get to go in there every once in a while with her and I love doing it, man. <laughs> I love the kids. I love my kids to death. They're both very, very smart and, and, and very bright and funny and everything, but still just, I, they, it scares me to death that I'm a father to this yeah. day. And because of that, when my wife found out she was pregnant, I didn't cry or anything. Mm-hmm. I just was like, okay. You're pregnant and now I have to deal with it. And she's always mentioned to me how she just wishes that I would have at least shed one tear when she let me know that she was pregnant. So, uh, around this time, you gotta force it out, man. I know it's like a, a hurry, you know, find something, something sharp to poke myself with or something. But, uh, yeah. So around this time, the, uh, there was a Muppet movie that came out that had Jason Siegel and Amy Adams oh, in it. Okay. And, uh, my wife and I went to go see it when she was in the throes of morning sickness. Oh, and it, uh, yeah, but it actually, made her feel better okay and so um i've always kind of i've loved the muppets Mm i i've felt a personal connection to jim henson um he he, my father died of the same thing that he died of oh wow and uh, so there's always been that connection with the muppets and Mm -hmm. i've always loved them and uh so i found uh, they released this album of all the classic muppet songs but they were performed by modern day artists and so yeah. one of them is weezer it has a um a Haley, uh i'm blanking on her name now um Haley williams who is mm-hmm. the lead singer of paramore okay um yeah they do a cover of rainbow connection and i would play this song and i i would put my headphones on my wife's stomach 
uh, to play yeah. for my daughter uh, while she was pregnant with her. And mm-hmm. we've sung this song to both of our kids as they were babies and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, the Rainbow Connection, uh, very classic Muppet mm-hmm. song. But, uh, yeah. yeah, just I have that connection to it. I'll never forget putting my headphones on my wife's stomach and, and letting my, my unborn child listen to some, uh, That's some awesome. Rainbow Connection. And that takes me back to some memories, man, of watching <laughs> Sesame Street and... Watching Kermit sing that song. Yeah, playing his banjo and yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one's awesome. Um, okay, let's go ahead and continue with uh, with these next two here. Okay. What uh what what's going on with these two songs? All right. So uh, in 2015, I I quit my job uh, and went back to school full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had had enough working. I was working in public works. I had left the military in 2014, um, and. Uh, so it was time to go back to school, get my degree. So I utilized my post-9-11 GI Bill benefits, uh, got my undergraduate degree done, and uh, went to work uh, as an Air Force contractor and okay. hated every minute of it. <laughs> uh, the hours were horrible. I had to be up at like 4 o'clock in the morning because oh, well, you, yeah, know, you have to get on base and then traffic is just horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like the work I was doing. I just was not happy. It paid really well. Mm-hmm. but I was not happy yeah. w- with any other aspects of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was, I'm currently working on my master's degree and I was uh, doing a class in which I had to compare the financial reports of two nonprofit or public organizations that I admire. And uh, one of them I did was the Utah Humane Society, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, Wounded Warrior Project. Let's let's take a look at what what they're up to. And and so I went okay. to their website. I was looking at their financial reporting, and up in the corner there's this tab of uh, cool careers, <laughs> and I clicked on it, and uh, they had two positions, uh, one in San Diego and one here in Phoenix. Cool. I applied for both of them. I interviewed for both of them and they basically said, you can go to San Diego or Phoenix. And I said, well, I know the cost of living in Phoenix is a lot more manageable. So (laughs) (laughs) uh, I took the job. And the morning that I was driving to work to tell my boss that I was going to be quitting, Mm -hmm. I was scared to death. And I I was hesitating. As I was walking to my car, I thought, am I doing the right thing? Am I really going to uproot my family, move them to another state, another place I don't know? Mm -hmm. am I really going to do this? And I got in the car and uh, the radio show, the morning show that I listened to in Salt Lake City, it's the Radio From Hell show. Uh, Their their DJ, Kerry Jackson, he he picks for their first song of the show, usually kind of an obscure song, nothing that, Uh because it's an alternative radio station, but they pick uh, a song that you wouldn't normally hear on the station. Okay. That morning he picked uh, Electric Light Orchestra, Mr. Blue Sky. And the song is just so upbeat and it's saying, uh-huh. you know, Mr. Blue Sky, where have you been? And all this stuff. And it's like, I'm doing the right thing. I knew I was yeah. doing the right thing at that moment. It was time for me to do that. And and so this song just stands out. I can remember uh, it, it, to break the news to my boss, I actually went and got donuts on my way into work. And so I was driving to the grocery <laughs> store. Butter to get, them yeah, up. exactly. And uh, I, 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 I was driving to the grocery store going to get donuts and I felt so good about the decision that yeah. I had made. And it it was 100% due to this song. And so yeah. this one just stands out to me. I can picture myself driving up Jackson Avenue in Ogden, Utah in my mm. Toyota Corolla and I'm going <laughs> to get donuts. And I, I just picture that every time I hear this song. 
That's awesome. <laughs> That's interesting how how music can do that, right? Put you in an upbeat mood oh, and yeah. change you change your whole perspective on 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 uh, significant things like that. That's that's pretty cool. I can just picture Baby Groot dancing in oh, that yeah. song. <laughs> yeah, while well, the all the other uh, Guardians of the Galaxy are uh, fighting the in the background. There's yeah. a Baby Groot dancing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that is definitely got to be uh, you know something that when you when you hear that song, you're like, all right. This is my answer. Yep. I definitely can see see that why, how you that that song kind of changed your whole mind about oh, yeah. about that day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. All right, we got one more here. Yeah, and and you know you you talk about music memories, and and I've t- you know I've been able to pinpoint uh, occurrences, but this last song, I want to say when I hear it, it it encompasses all the memories. Mm-hmm. Um. I, you know, I, I lost my father when he was two years older than I am now. And as that age is creeping up on me, it's Mm -hmm. like, it, it, it really makes me realize you don't know when your time is to go. You have no idea. And, and whether you have a, a, a long-term perspective, you know, like an eternal nature of your soul, or if you believe that this is it, this is the only time you're going to live. Yeah. Still, this gift, this life is such a gift. Yeah. We ha- we we don't have that much time to experience all the beauties of this world. Mm. And and so this last song, it's it's Shine Down song, brilliant. And uh, you know, in it, he says repeatedly, "It's my day to be brilliant." And it it reminds me. Don't be afraid to take chances. Mm-hmm. Had I not taken a chance and enlisted in the Navy, I wouldn't have been able to see so much of the world. I've been to a couple dozen different countries around the world and experienced things and made friends in places that I never, ever thought I would. Yeah. I I mean, I, I, I was a missionary. I learned another language and I taught people about, about the gospel uh, in another language. I mean, how many people can say that they did that? I've been to dozens of rock and roll concerts because when am I ever going to see these people again, you know? Yeah. And, and and, um, you know, I, I, I moved my family to another state because I had the opportunity to work for a really well-respected mm-hmm. organization and stuff. So, you know, this, so this song, it just, it reminds me, it's my day to be brilliant. You don't know when your time is, but you have today and take advantage of it. And you, you, you I, whether or not you fail, that's not mm-hmm. relevant because even in your failures, you have some successes. You've learned from those failures and you can make yourself a better person from it. So, um, yeah, it's my day to be brilliant. Well, I think that's the end of it, right? I mean, no. you know, I could go on for uh, a long, uh, <laughs> a long, long, long time, but uh, you and I have to go to work and, uh, yeah. you know, we've got families we've got to attend to and stuff, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I could go on for hours and, yeah. and I really, really appreciate the opportunity to just kind of share this. This has yeah. been awesome. Yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on and, uh, and hanging out with me doing this. Um, man, this was a great, uh, great thing to hear, hear about all your memories and, and, and kind of take that walk down memory lane with you kind of kind of get to know you a little bit better as well yeah. through music that's yeah. awesome yeah i mean it was it's very therapeutic I yeah mean, I, you know i was able to get a lot of stuff off my chest that i'd kind of been holding on to and stuff I, I, again because of music i feel better leaving now and yeah it's such a wonderful wonderful uh, gift that we have that we can and it's funny it's just vibrations and frequencies <laughs> right and, but you you put them in the right tone and yeah. the right tempo and it becomes something beautiful that, oh yeah that, man that, it, it's you just can't describe it 
I it I've I've always said that that music uh, can change the world, man. It, it's definitely something that that I have such a such a passion for, and, and yeah, it it is. It's it's something that it's it's it, like you said, it's just frequencies and vibrations and how, how could they be so powerful? But um, you know, it, it's it's you know we're made up of the same things that music is made up of. You know, and we. We can uh, create music with our with our vocal cords yeah. and, and our thoughts. We can write them down and create something that that can be so powerful. And and we can use our fingers to create this music. And it's just it's an amazing thing. And, and I think that that uh, because music is so powerful, it's not because uh, the instruments play themselves. It's it's because the people behind them who are so passionate for these for this music for this for this type of um, therapy. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, mean, I think we can call it therapy, right? Yeah. I mean, you think about your favorite guitar players. They're not the guy that just stands there and strums, right? I mean, it's the yeah. Jimi Hendrix that's doing it behind his head. And it's the, it's, it's, it's the, the Joe Perry's of the world where they, they, yeah. they, they lay down on the stage and play on their back. And, and, uh, you know, the, the, the drummers that, uh, you know, they do the 15 minute drum solo. Yeah. So the rest of the band can get a break and stuff. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it you never <laughs> yeah. cheer for the guy that looks like he's bored it's the guy that's putting his heart and soul into it and you feel that that part of them and it's yeah. amazing again nate i appreciate you coming on and doing this this is awesome uh if anybody out there wants to go ahead and contribute to the music memory podcast you guys can leave a voicemail i uh, leave a voicemail five minutes under if you guys want to tell me a whole story that's fine i'm cool with that uh, but leave us a voicemail at 480256 8531 make sure you keep it clean and uh let's say let's say five minutes i think five minutes is good enough to to give me one good music memory and the song and i'll play it right here on the show if you guys want to also send me something over to my email you can email me at the music memory pod at gmail.com again i appreciate you coming on sharing your music memories with me nate that's my pleasure thank you all right i think we're good when i put these on i went back to the memory i associated with the music i was listening to back where you didn't even move i mean you know when you hear a certain song and it reminds you of a time in your past hold on watch see what wait you must not have any memories associated with this song let me see what i got you're losing your mind My family loved mariachi music. Okay, you know what? I don't know what you're doing, but it's getting really weird.